Um, first of all, I just like to say um, thank you, Pastor Mel, and thank you, Pastor Keith, and uh, thank you, Ayers Christian Center, for um, giving me this opportunity to be here on this uh, this evening. Um, the moment that I walked in uh, this church, it was nothing but open arms, and um, I just felt just genuineness and authenticity. Um, that's just something that I feel like that you can't teach. It's something that's just uh, God-given, and um, so I just like to commend you guys on the work that you've done here and the work that you're doing here and everybody um, affiliated with the church. Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm thankful for um, my friends and my family who um, decided to come out on today, um, on a Thursday at 7.45, um, to come here. Um, right, it is. It definitely is. So I thank all my brothers and my sisters. I thank my mom. I thank my daughter. And um, I thank my wife. My little sister even came out all the way from the other side of Charlotte. So I'm grateful for her. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, this, this week has been, um, a trying week. It's so crazy because this week is fast week. I, I, I feel like I had never been um, attacked as much as I had been attacked this week. Um, it was it was really, really heavy, like to where I was just so drained. I'm talking about from work. I was going to work and I had some um, administration. Um, they were using um, slander against my name and, you know, just talking about me in an unprofessional manner. Um, but I had I have eyes and ears everywhere, and so people are sharing this with me, and I'm just, I just didn't understand what was going on. Um, and then I had some 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 kids at the school who were uh, using profanity against me and just pretty much cussing me out all throughout the week. I'm talking about every day there had been an incident of something going on, and I just said to myself, I said I really need to start preparing and getting my my mind because I have to uh, to speak on Thursday. And so on top of that, my wife, she had to go out of town um, to Dallas, Texas for a conference. And so now I'm on daddy duty. So on top of everything that was happening, this little girl, daddy, daddy, please. Daddy. Hi, daddy. Hi. Hi. That That's all she was doing. And so I never um, just got an opportunity to like really rest and really you know, um, to get my thoughts together. And so the enemy started to attack my mind and he started to to make me doubt myself. He started to just make me say, well, you can't do it. This is not what it is that you're supposed to be doing. You're not really supposed to be speaking here. Um, this is not what God's called you to do. Like you really don't have what it takes. Nobody wants to hear what it is that you're saying. You don't have anything to say. And these are the things that were going through my mind. And I really couldn't believe that these things were happening in the midst of this particular day coming up. And I said to myself, I said, come on. And then it wasn't until um, I talked to a buddy of mine. His birthday was December the 4th. I was at the gym, I was in the parking lot and I was talking to him. And in the midst of talking to him, God gave me a word. I thought that I had something that I wanted to speak about. But in the midst of that, God said, well, this is what I want you to talk about. And so today I'm going to share um, what it is that God has given me to uh, to share with you today. So today we're just going to have a conversation. If you have if you have any questions, if you want to interject, if you got something that you want to raise your hand, please feel free. Um, 
I just want to be obedient to God's word and God's will and um, share with you what it is that he has for me to share. Let's see. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, if you can open your Bibles up to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 25, and we're going to read until verse 31. This, this, everything that I'm going to be speaking about tonight resonated with me. I'm, I was pretty much talking to myself. I was having a conversation with myself. Um, when you guys hear what it is, you're going to be like, you know what? I mean, maybe, you know, some of you guys are dealing with, with the same thing, but I just wanted to share what it is that I've been dealing with. Um, chapter 1, verse 25, 1 Corinthians. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25, it says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than the human strength brothers and sisters think of what you were when you were called not many of you were wise by human standards not many were influential not many were no of noble birth but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong God chose the lowly things of the world and he despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord um, I'm going to uh, read um, I was reading down in the uh, the footnotes here and it really resonated with my spirit and um, in verse 25 it says the message of Christ's death for sin sounds foolish to those who don't believe death seems to be the end of the road the ultimate weakness but Jesus did not stay dead his resurrection demonstrated his power even over death and he will save us from the eternal death and give us everlasting life if we trust him as Savior and Lord this sounds so simple that many people won't accept it they tried other ways to obtain eternal life by being good, by being wise, etc., but all their attempts will not work. The foolish people will simply accept Christ's offer. People who simply accept Christ's offer are actually the wisest of all because they alone will live eternally with God. Um, I just thought that Christ's sacrifice on the cross was the ultimate weakness, um, and that's a posture that I feel like that we should have. But growing up, I don't, I'm, like I said, I'm from Newark, New Jersey, for, for you guys who don't know. I'm exactly where, where Pastor Keith is from. Um, and growing up in Newark, New Jersey, um, I was told pretty much if you were weak, that you were soft, that you were a punk, that you pretty much, you pretty was nothing. You pretty much were nothing. I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure where everybody grew up, but I'm pretty sure for males, that was the condensation that came with being by being weak, right? Am I right? Okay. 
Um, so I was always told real men don't show emotion. Guys don't show emotion. I was told to suck it up. Anytime that something happens, suck it up. I was told to wipe it off. You fall, you scrape your knee, your knee could be on the other side over there and your body could be over here, but they just said, wipe it off, you'll be all right. Like that's just what I was told as a man. I was told to hold it in and don't let it out. That's what we were told. That, that's all I know. I definitely couldn't show any tears. Crying was an indication that I was weak. Um, there, there was no tears. There was nothing that I could show that I was weak. I remember being told, um, <laughs> this is my dad. My dad would tell me to shut that noise up before I give you something to cry for. Like that was just something that he said. Also growing up playing sports, um, coaches only wanted pretty much like the biggest, the fastest, and the strongest kids. I was definitely one of the kids with tenacity and a gift and grit and toughness. Um, where I come from, toughness, like I said, and strength are a requirement. It's a must have pretty much if you're gonna survive. Like those things are something that you just have to have. Um, like I said, I was talking to my friend the other day and we were just reminiscing about how big our crew was and the fact that we rolled deep. Um, and I thought to myself, Man, ain't nobody messing with us. Like, I wish somebody would because of the fact that I'm deep. I wish somebody would come over here and mess with us because of the fact that, like, I got six other dudes with me. Who really going to step to me when I got six other dudes with me? So I know we strong. I know we good. So it didn't even matter that anybody ever said anything. If there was a weak person in the group, we really didn't know it because everybody else was so strong that they just kind of hid in the mist. What I realized in all of that is that that's society's definition or the world's definition of what strength looks like. But what I realized, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 and 11, it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put those ways of childhood behind me. Um, as I have grown, I have come to know the true definition of strength. Being strong requires you to be weak. Being strong requires you to be weak. So the title of this particular conversation is weakness is the new strength or weakness is the new strong. And with that being said, I went back and I looked at 2 Corinthians um, 12 and 9. And I want to break that down just a little bit more um, to explain what I'm talking about when I say that weakness is the new strong. So if you go to 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, the Bible says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power or my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power or for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, with that being said, in order for your strength to come through God, you have to do something. You got to be transparent. When I, I, I realized, you know, growing up and I realized just in life and just even being older, a lot of us, we're not necessarily transparent with ourselves. Um, we're not necessarily transparent with others. And a lot of times I feel like we kind of put on this facade of a fake strength. It's not something that we really believe in. But because of the fact that we don't want nobody else to know, we kind of be like, yeah, no, I'm good. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. Oh, I'm doing well. 
oh, I, I got it together. You need anything? No, I'm good. Because you don't want anybody else to know that you're going through something. And so when you're being transparent, like transparency brings forth change. Anytime that you're honest with yourself, you can bring forth change. Anytime that you're transparent, people actually want to listen. I feel like that you can reach more people when you're transparent than you fake in the funk. Because nobody wants to hear a churchy sound or a churchy phrase, oh, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. That's cool. But at the same time, people are really out here going through something. And a lot of times we don't necessarily know what they're going through because we're not actually sharing our actual stories. When we talk about transparency, there are three things you need to do when being transparent. The first thing that you need to do is you need to be honest with yourself. It, you, you can't you have to be honest with yourself first. You can't you can't do anything else until you're honest with yourself. So you need to look in the mirror, whatever flaws you think you have, you need to be honest with that. And you need to be okay with it. Because it's gonna be okay. That's a form of weakness. And it says that you are made strong in that particular weakness. Um, being honest with God. I feel like when you're honest with yourself, then you can be honest with God. Because if you're not honest with God, let I me mean, who are we really fooling? Like, God is not somebody that who doesn't know already. Like, wh how are we trying to hide from God when he's everywhere? He sees all. He knows all. He created us. He knows the hairs on the top of our head. He created us and formed us before we, this world was even created. How can we hide something from him? So we have to be honest with God. And then, this is my favorite. You have to be honest with others. You have to be honest with others. Everybody pretty much sitting here on this side right here those guys are my accountability partners those guys are my brothers those guys are guys that I can share anything with those guys are the guys who hold me down when life seems difficult when life gets real when life comes at you fast and you think that you have nobody else And it's okay to share with others because what you realize, not only are you strengthening yourself, but you're strengthening them and you guys are working together because it says that iron sharpens iron. And when you actually share with others, you don't even realize that some people are actually dealing with the same situation that you're dealing with. But you wouldn't have known it if you had put a little churchy spin on it to say that you're good or a little churchy spin to say that everything is okay. We have to be honest. We have to be transparent. I'm crying because I'm grateful that God placed you guys in my life for me to even share that with. Like, I, growing up, I kept a lot of things inside because of the fact that I didn't trust anybody enough to share those things. But when I met some real men and I rest, met some dudes who could actually hold me down in the midst of me sharing what I was going through, some dudes that will call to check up on me, some dudes that will call to make sure that I had everything that I needed, some dudes that would just call just to make sure that I was on the right path. If I was struggling with something, they was making sure that I was doing what I said that I was going to do. Those are the guys. Those are what you need. Those are the people that you need. The enemy wants to keep you in isolation. The enemy likes to to, to get you by yourself because he says that he's seeking to whom he can devour. He says he wants to sift you like wheat. And so if he can get you by yourself, just like y'all know in basketball, if we put you in isolation and the person on offense got nasty handles, you can forget about it. 
going right to the hole into the basket and you're scoring and that's what the enemy wants to do he wants to score in your life he wants to take you out he wants to get you in a place to where you feel like that you're the only person dealing with your situation you're not but you'll never know that until you get some accountability Revelations 12 and 11 it says they have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony your testimony is not for you your testimony is not for you everybody in here has a testimony I know for sure that all of us in here have one I also know that none of them are exactly the same if they were this life this this, this life will be corny if everybody had the same testimony it will be robotic Another thing is I know that some of one can benefit from hearing the story that I can guarantee that they will share some similarities with. Something that you thought you were the only person dealing with, I promise you somebody else is going through it. But the crazy thing is you have to share your story. Your story is not something for you to sit on. God has given you that story for a particular reason. There's so many people out here in the world that need to hear your story because of the fact that you're somebody that could change their lives. Stop hiding your testimony. Somebody else's eternity is hanging in the balance of your obedience. Somebody else's eternity is hanging in the balance of your obedience. Like you really have to understand that it's not about you. It's not about you. It's all about helping somebody else. That's why Christ put us here. He put us here to be and to build relationships. He put us here to have a relationship. That's what that's what that that was his ultimate reason for dying on the cross for us to have relationships. He showed us how to love. He 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 is the ultimate testimony. His life speaks for itself. His actions speaks for themselves. He laid on the cross and died for people who can care less about him. Christ did that for us. He shared his testimony. All he said was it is finished. That was it. And we still talk about him every, every day. We talk about him in the workplace. We talk about him in a home. We talk about him just walking down the street. We talk about him on a Sunday. We talk about him on a Wednesday. We talk about him all the time. And we're trying to live our lives as an example of him because of the fact that this is what he did. He gave us his testimony. So share your testimony. Also, I need you guys to do me a favor. I need you to get in a posture of weakness. So God can strengthen you so you can strengthen someone else through God's power. If you continue on um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, it says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so Christ's power may rest on me. It says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so Christ's power may rest on me. I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so Christ's power may rest on me. Who in here can honestly say that they want to talk about their weakness? By a show of hands. Anybody want to sit here and tell somebody that they're going to boast about something that they're weak in? Nobody. That's, that's just not, it's not common. It's not something that we were taught to do. But I, like I said, that's society's definition. But Christ is sitting here and telling us, hey, it says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. So Christ's power may rest on me. 
If you want Christ's power to dwell on the inside of you for you to, to be strong, then you need to have a posture of weakness. Never be ashamed of your weakness. Boast about it. Be glad about it. Because God is going to use your weak place to elevate you to your high place. Don't try to figure things out and add them up because God's math is not your math. God's ways are not your ways. God's thoughts are not your thoughts. We can't, we can't fathom what it is that God is doing. Also, in 2 Corinthians verse 10, this is why it says, this is why for Christ's sake, this is why for Christ's sake, and then it says, I delight, and then it starts to list different things. And so this is why for Christ's sake, and I want you guys to have posture to have when delighting. I want you guys to have this. This is, I want you guys to have, this is the posture to have when delighting. When you delight in your weakness, an example, it's so funny when, when, when we say delight in, in weakness, like delight means to show gratitude, like to give thanks, like to, to, to be jolly or to be happy about something that we don't necessarily look at as something positive. Um, but like I said, God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. It says delight in weakness. An example for me of being weak, it, it, it's so funny. Um, my buddy Darnell, he, um, he, he texted me and he said, Lou, um, what, do you, what do you see yourself, I believe, in five years? Um, and for a couple days, I never responded. I just never responded to the text. I was like, no, I'm good. Because I didn't want to have to think about what it is that I was afraid of. And so I'm afraid of my potential and what it takes to get there and how to stay there once I'm there. But I get so scared that I do nothing. I don't know how many of you guys are like that. Um, I know that I have gifts and talents and abilities. I know God has gifted me to do amazing things. I know, he says, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope in the future and expected and not to harm you. Right? I know all of that. I know all of the scripture, but at the same time, I still don't take that next step because of the fact that I'm nervous and I'm scared of what that looks like. I'm scared of what that process looks like. And so what I try to do is I try to fake the funk and I try to show you that I'm strong in particular areas so you don't necessarily realize that I'm weak. But that's why I told you that this is for me. Now I have to realize that I have to take a posture of weakness. Now that I have to realize that this is my time to, to get weak because I need to be strong. If I'm going to do whatever I need to do, I need to be strong in God. And so right now, I just need to let you guys know. That's why I'm saying it out loud and letting you guys know what my weakness is. Because later on, you can be like, you know what? Lou shared that. He boasted about that. I'm glad about my weakness right now because I know right now that God is going to come on the inside of me. He's going to change that. It also says delight in insults. Who here likes insults? Nobody. I'm pretty sure we like giving them out, but we won't share that though, right? <laughs> right. Nobody delights in insults. Anytime that somebody told you that, that you couldn't do it, or they called you names, or they put you down, the Bible says that he'll make your enemies your footstool. So regardless of whatever it is that they say, regardless of whatever names that they say, or whatever the things that they call you, God is going to make your enemies your footstools. But the one thing that you got to do is you got to make sure that you remember that stuff so you can talk about it. So people can know that God can use whatever and whoever 
God wants to use the people who don't necessarily look the part or people who don't act the part or he wants to use the people, you know, who don't necessarily seem qualified. My dad always says that God doesn't call to qualify. He qualifies to call. I believe that. I mean, because of the fact that it just shows how great and how powerful God is. God, God can do whatever he, God can make whatever, like he can turn this into something amazing. I can't, but he can. And so I'm going to trust him enough to know like, hey, God, I, I trust you to do whatever it is that you said you're going to do. If you look here, it says also, it says um, delight in hardships. Nobody likes to delight in hardships. Like, what are we really talking about? Like, hardships, Lord? Like, the Bible says rejoice as we go through trials and tribulations because it builds forth, it brings forth character. So I'm just like, okay, you know what? Well, Lord, if that's your word, then I have to make sure that that's the type of posture that I have. Um, an example that I have for delighting in hardships, like, I moved to North Carolina to help start a church. Maybe... Well, it's going on. It'll be four years. Like I moved to, well, I moved to Charlotte. I'm sorry, not to North Carolina. But I moved to North Carolina um, after graduating from college in 2008. And when I graduated, I went home and I stayed home for the summer. Right, Ma? And um, the Lord was like, no, I want you to move back to North Carolina. I had a, a 95 Nissan Pathfinder. I packed up my truck and I rode back down to Durham, North Carolina. I didn't have a job, I didn't have a place to live, nor did I have any money. But I just believed that this is where God called me. And I, and I never shied away from telling anybody my story. And then as soon as I got here to North Carolina, my roommate from college said, hey Lou, I heard that you were in North Carolina, you can come live with us. So I lived with my college roommate at his parents' house. And then maybe within a couple weeks I got a job, I started working at Walmart. Now, here I am, I have a college degree, a degree of business with a concentration in marketing, but I'm cutting boxes and setting up for the school drive at Walmart. And I'm just like, all right, Lord, you're doing something. But in, in my mind, I'm just being obedient and doing what God said. I'm taking a posture of weakness. I'm talking about it now because that's something that was in the past, and now he's elevated me to something new. And then recently, like I said, maybe about four years ago, I moved here to Charlotte. I moved here to Charlotte to help start a church. When I moved here to Charlotte, um, so many different things were going on. Um, I'll start, my, my wife's mom passed away a week before we were supposed to get married. We were supposed to get married on March the 7th. My wife's mom passed away February the 28th. Two days before my wife's mom passed away, my wife's mom had a middle sister who passed away. We buried her mom on March the 6th, and we buried her aunt on March the 7th, the day that we were supposed to get married. We then got married on a Wednesday on March the 11th. We went on a honeymoon because we had paid for it on March the 13th. The church that we were helping start started on March the 15th. I quit my job on March the 24th. You see all of those different things when, when I talk about hardship, like God was in the midst of all of that. And I only share that to say like, hey, I'm delighting in that hardship because I know that if I take delight in that hardship, God is going to make me strong. And we had problems. We had we had we had difficulties because of the fact that in the very beginning of a marriage, all of those different things happening. Like it was just like conflict and just because of the fact that her emotions were everywhere 
and I was expecting certain things and she was expecting certain things and we couldn't necessarily um, get on one accord. We were actually living with someone. She was in her master's program and I didn't have a job and she was the only one working. I'm just like, oh my God, but Lord, he made a way. He made a way. Um, then it says that you need to delight in persecutions. <laughs> I started to believe what people said. I needed validation. That was, that was me. Like, I, I remember telling somebody that I was going to college. They said, you're not going to college. You know, they told me that college wasn't for everybody. I was being persecuted. I remember my teachers was like, you going to school? I was like, yeah, I'm going to college. Nah, college not for everybody, Lewis. Maybe you need to um, think about a trade. I was like, wow, I couldn't believe that they would even share that with me. Like, who do you think you are to have the audacity to tell me that I'm not going to school? And so what I did is I took that to heart. And I said, you know what, I'm going to school. And I graduated in four years. And then when I went back to the person who said it, she, the first thing that she said, it was a young lady there that was rather smart when we were in school. She said, you know, the young lady, she's still in school and you graduated? And I just couldn't believe the fact that she still had the audacity to even tell me that this young lady was still in school when I'm showing you my diploma. Now I'm speaking in front of the school. It was, it was just something. But I delighted in that persecution. Like, I didn't look at her. I was thankful that she said that because it only drove me to do what it is that God had called me to do. It says delight in difficulties. It says delight in difficulties. Who wants to delight in difficulties? Who wants to rejoice when you're going through tough times? Nobody wants to do that. It's not easy. It's not fun. It's not good at all. But I want to share with you. It says when you, deli when you delight yourself in those things, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It's okay to be weak. It is definitely okay to be weak. Don't allow what others say or do to dictate your movement. Don't allow what others say or do to dictate your movement. Don't be so caught up in validation that you miss the opportunity for God's power to move in your situation versus allowing man to be your power. A lot of times we allow people to dictate our movement or we allow people um, to say things and then we start to walk in what it is that they said. We start to, but we start to do what it is that they need us to do versus what God called us to do. Don't let pride get in the way of you seeing who really is in control and who gave you the abilities to achieve different things. Don't allow pride to get in the way. I want to um, read um, the footnotes here and I'm gonna close out with this. Um, it says, although God did not remove Paul's physical affliction, he promised to demonstrate his power in Paul. It says the fact that God's power is displayed in weak people should give us courage. Though we recognize our limitations, we will not congratulate ourselves and rest at that. Instead, we will turn to God and seek pathways to for effectiveness. We must rely on God for our effectiveness rather than simply our own energy, effort, or talent. Our weakness not only helps us develop Christian character, it also deepens our worship. Because in admitting our weakness, we affirm God's strength. So remember, weakness is the new strong. Thank you.